Welcome to another episode of the Real Animals Podcast that is uh, always brought to you by our good friends at Contender Boats. Super excited today to be uh, talking to my good friend Bjorn Gunnelson with Rockford Fosgate. Bjorn, how are you today, pal? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, uh, I'm really excited because I have Rockford Fosgate now in my new 26 Contender Bay, and um, the sound quality is incredible. Um, I, I put it in early just to uh, get the lights going one day. Um, absolutely blown away with everything that is is going on with Rockford Fosgate. What? How did? How does? How does one end up doing what you do for Rockford Fosgate? What? What's? What's your story? What's? You know? How did this happen for you? Um, so my, my story uh, actually starts back in the uh, in the late nineties. I got into. Uh, our audio professionally back in the late nineties, started the salesman, moved into install and, uh, worked at a company that sold Rockford. So I started my relationship with them, uh, very early. And then, uh, being born and raised in South Florida, you know, Pompano area, uh, boating was always part of my life. So it kind of just naturally progressed into the marine side of things. And, uh, about six years ago, uh, Rockford actually sponsored my fishing team, uh, down out of South Florida. And we did up my boat with, uh, our current product line. And then, uh, after, you know, four or five years of promoting them last year, they, uh, offered me the job to come on as a sales manager for Marine Audio. So oh, that's nice. how I, uh, ended up where I am. Yep. Okay. Yes, sir. So, so I think, you know, for, for the, for the layman for, and, and I consider myself that person who doesn't really know the difference. You know, what's the big difference between, you know, when you're looking at stuff that says marine audio and versus regular audio speakers that maybe go in your car? Is there a difference? Yeah, there absolutely is. In, in a quality, now, don't get me wrong, there are some products out there that they may have just painted them white and maybe put a little silicone on them and call them marine. Uh, but in our case, uh, specifically, all of our marine speakers, uh, amplifier stereos are built what we call element ready. So the main difference between a marine product and a car product is going to be your corrosion resistance, right? Uh, especially in the Florida and the saltwater market, you know, we all know corrosion is like the number one enemy. So all of our speakers have plastic baskets, plastic cones, rubber surrounds. Uh, even our tweeters are laminated mylar. So that's a, another form of plastic. Um, we went as far as putting Deutsch plug connectors on there. So you got a nice watertight, secure connection. Um, all of our amplifiers are conformal coated circuit boards, meaning they have a, a water resistant, corrosion resistant coating on the board itself internally in the amplifier. And then the amplifier, um, shroud materials also, it's a, uh, powder coated cast aluminum. So, it's also very anti-corrosive. Um, and then our, you know, our stereos, for instance, we do a double lamination on our screen glass to prevent any uh, water or corrosion penetration through the screen. So you don't get like the, you know, the mist behind your screen one day when you fire the boat up. So there is, there is a huge difference between a typical car product and a true marine grade uh, audio product. Okay. Well, that makes sense at all. Now, let me ask you this, and I was thinking about this just because I, I now currently have more speakers in my 26 Bay than I've ever had in a boat before. How much, if, 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 you're, if you're building a, a system, you know, and, and let's just say maybe you're not, you're trying to do some of it on your own as, as, as far as, you know, purchasing, at least purchasing the product, 
How mu- how do you know how much is too much? Is it whatever your ears can handle? I mean, how do you make that determination? Yeah, well, it's it's you know what are you looking for results wise, right? You know, uh, a guy like you or you know typical charter captain guys, they're not looking to go sit at the sandbar and you know play their music for everybody at the sandbar and five miles away as well. Right. Um, so it, re- it really depends on your application. Uh, to me, my mission in any stereo system for a good quality stereo is to start with four speakers, a subwoofer and an amplifier in order to get a true, you know, sound to get all your frequencies. You need that subwoofer and four speakers. I like to say encapsulate the captain, right? Try to get two in front of them, two behind them or two next to them. Try to, you know, cause you know, let's be real. The captain is the most important person on the boat, right? Absolutely. Let's make sure he's happy first. And then you know, if it's a larger boat, uh, you know, like a larger center console, then you're going to want to add more speakers. You know, you're going to want to pair up in the bow or two up in the bow, maybe something in the T-top. So it really goes by size and purpose, you know. Um, and then like in my boat, it's a fishing boat, you know, it's a tournament boat, but it has 22 speakers and subwoofers in it because, um, you know, crazier than your average guy. <laughs> um, and I love it, you know, with those long runs, you know, those hour, hour and a half runs to the Kingfish grounds up north you know, we're jamming the whole way and it, it makes the ride a lot more enjoyable. Sure. So well, that makes sense. Sure. Something else I, I was thinking about this. And again, because I'm, I'm not the, uh, those who know me definitely know I'm not that tech savvy. How big a difference do amplifiers make when you're building your system? You know, you mentioned amps, you know, what explain to me and, and again, for some of our listeners, you know, what's the difference between a system with an amp and a system without an, I don't think I've ever had one before. Now I, I know there's a difference in the system, this new Rockford Fosgate system that's in my boat. Now there's definitely a difference. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty impressive, but I mean, what, you know, how does that all come about? Well, how big a difference do they make? Uh, the easiest way to explain that is amplifiers are your horsepower, right? Okay. So you can have, you can have the best speakers in the world, um, call it a Ferrari, right? But if you don't put the Ferrari engine in there, the horsepower, it's not a Ferrari. So if you have, you know, 500 watt speakers and you only give them 15 watts, which is, you know, 15 to 25 watts is what a standard uh, stereo without an amplifier will actually put out. You're just not maximizing your equipment. You know, I, I mean, frankly, you're just wasting money on good speakers if you're not putting an amplifier to them. Okay. So amplifiers are... The, the, the way I explain it, they're the horsepower. So, um, power takes care of everything from playing louder to also playing clearer. Cause in order for a speaker to, uh, give you that good, clean sound at a high output that you're looking for, you need that power to be in control of that speaker. So we actually typically recommend, I mean, it's kind of an old car audio, uh, rule of thumb is that you actually pick your amplifiers to be capable of putting out a little more power than your speakers need, because you can always tune an amplifier down. But if you're ever trying to tune it up, trying to make it do what it can't do, you're just pumping distortion through there. Okay. All right. Well, that, that makes interesting sense. So as you were talking about, um, these, these long epic runs, uh, I like to dig in. I, I like to dig into my, my specialists, I call you like one of my specialists. I mean, you're my stereo guru, but you know, but obviously you're, you're a fishy cat. So, you know, 
I mean, I always like to ask, you know, where's your favorite place to fish? It sounds like kingfish might be your favorite fish to catch. But uh, uh, let's yeah, talk. No, talk, no. Let's talk about your fishing <laughs> a little bit. So, how did how did so, you get how did you get into the sport of fishing? How did that start for for you? Um, I, you know, like I said, I'm born and raised in Pompano Beach. Um, raised on the water. You know, I started snook fishing, and or actually, let's be real, I started puffer fishing in a diaper, sitting on the dock. <laughs> you know, dropping a dropping a shrimp, or maybe I, I broke off an oyster to get some bait for the hook. Um, I was a avid snook fisherman probably i mean from the time i could ride a bike up until probably shit for 20 years uh just chasing snook on seawalls and bridges and stuff like that i grew up in pompano but my uncle had a place in naples so i spent a lot of time hanging off wiggins pass bridge and in places over there as well um and then you know when I got a little older and started working and could afford a boat and bought my first boat, then, uh, I got more into offshore fishing and my favorite fishing is dolphin fishing. It's just, I love them. They're, they're fun to catch. They're, they're plentiful. And, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, they're about as, as good as anything you can put on a plate. Sure. So that's my favorite fish to fish for. However, we do a lot of tournament fishing here on the East coast, meat fish tournament fishing and the Kingfish, you know, they rule the tournament series. If you're looking for weight and you want to get it, so we spend the majority of our tournament time chasing kingfish. Um, I don't dislike them. I love fighting them and stuff like that. It's just not my favorite fish. Um, but we do we do target them a lot. And as a matter of fact, my wife actually uh, was just awarded a top female angler for Angler Armory for our zone this year for oh, kingfish. Nice. So, oh, very yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, super proud of her. Congratulations to her. On top, on top of being a nurse and a mom and in school for – uh, nurse midwife and everything else she does. So it's pretty impressive. Sounds like a lot more to, than I do. We I need to have her that. on the podcast. That's what we need <laughs> I, to I do. know you probably should. <laughs> She's the real angler in the family. <laughs> so, so when is, when is, you know, for those that don't know, and, and I'm one of those guys, I've, I've done some fishing on the East coast, but obviously I'm a West coast, Florida guy. When does that dolphin season peak over there? So the summertime is our, is, is, uh, the most dolphin, but I prefer, Honestly, we're coming into it right now, the January through going into springtime. So January through maybe March, even April, uh, we get the bigger fish swimming through because we don't get super big dolphin over here on the East Coast very often. Uh, And when I say bigger, I'm talking, you know, 15 to 30 pounds. Uh, We don't get a ton of monsters. But with the east winds and all the sail fishing going on, you catch a lot of them on the kite over here. So it's even more fun. to me, uh, you know, when you get them to come into the spread and you get a school of dolphin come through your spread and it's just pure mayhem on the, on the boat, you know, you get all six kite lines go down because you got a school of dolphin came through. It can make for a, make for good times and a, a lot of chaos. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. What did you just say? Six kites? You're flying six kites at one time? No, 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 no. Six, six lines, three oh. lines per kite. We, we typically are flying two at a time. So oh. six, yeah, six, no. Six dolphin, no, not six. Kites. I was fixing to put you on a on a pedestal somewhere up high, but I'm like, I've done some yeah. kite fishing, bro. I'm like six oh, at a time. Man, no, yeah, <laughs> we're are, lucky. We're lucky man. once in a while to get the wind right to get a third kite up. I am definitely not trying to fly six. I'm not trying to be in charge of the boat on that one. I don't think I've so. ever. I don't think I've ever spent, and I'm, I'm sure they probably do it. It's probably different on tournament day than filming, but you know, I filmed some with the pro marine guys and. Um, mm-hmm. they're pretty good. Jim Nassett and the boys are pretty good king fishermen. And, oh yeah. And we've done some, yeah, they got a, 
we've done some Mongo kite this yeah, year. They, we've done some kite fishing mm-hmm. stuff with them, but it's always been just one kite up. Um, I can't yeah. even imagine trying to get two. I guess you get one guy on each side of the boat. Is that how that works? Yeah, so uh, we do – our tournaments aren't strictly kingfish, so we do what we call meat fish tournaments. There's a, a blue water movements hold the – it's called the Pompano Beach Saltwater Circuit down here. It's three tournaments. So you're counting kingfish, wahoo, uh, dolphin, cobia, and tuna. Okay. So the first tournament is in usually in May and our tuna, our blackfin tuna are running pretty good then. So we do a lot of kite fishing in those tournaments for the tuna. So basically we would go in the morning, go after our kingfish, um, not necessarily kite fishing for them, but it depends, you know, sometimes they're firing off on the kites, sometimes they're down deep. So we'd go target them and then we'll spend the afternoon with the kites in the air trying to get those uh, blackfin to come up and eat on the kite or, you know, eat a flat line being drifted. And, you know, like I said, that time of year, you get the occasional good sized dolphin coming through the spread as well. And you can get lucky and get a wahoo. So earlier, typically earlier in the tournament season, we're flying a lot of kites. As the season gets later, as the water gets really hot, the wind goes away, the kite thing becomes a lot more difficult. Okay, so, and and follow, you got to follow me along because remember, I'm a yeah. 26, I'm a 26 bay boat guy, west coast of Florida, obviously not as deep as the east coast of Florida. Um, right. Obviously, I do some king fishing, you know, spring run, fall run, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. 90, you know, 98%, 99% of what I do is, is, you know, going straight to the hard bottom areas. I do a lot of anchoring up because I'm on charter and I'm just trying to bend the rod. So, you know, the macro bite and the bonita bite and all that mm-hmm. doesn't bum me mm-hmm. out. We'll catch a few kingfish right. in there. I've always caught my biggest kingfish on the troll. If you get a guy who wants to hang a smoker king, I tell him, hey, this, you know, for me, I think trolling's the best way to do it. That's what the pros do. Mm-hmm. With that being said, so I'm targeting hard bottom areas on the West Coast. What do you target on the East Coast with the water being so deep? Are you still just fishing over hard bottom and the difference is you're in 120 foot of water? I mean, what's the... Yes, yeah, sometimes. other uh, Most of the time we're fishing like a ledge or a reef line. Okay. Um, that's typically what we're working over here. Um, we do have some hard bottom spots that for one reason or another just seem to hold the fish that we always make sure to go over. Um, especially when we're trolling, like you're saying, um, when we're doing the kite fishing, it's kind of funny because we'll, so on the kite fish, you know, the optimum wind would be like an East or a Northeast wind, right? Something that's blowing you inshore. Um, while the current's typically pushing us North, like that would be our ideal condition. So we'll start, we might start out in three or 400 feet of water, depending on, you know, how fast the wind is blowing us shallow, um, where we're looking for those tuna and, and dolphin and wahoo and stuff, but we'll let that blow us all the way into, you know, depending on the time of the year, we might go in as shallow as 50 feet because we're kind of pushing through the zones of fish at that point. You know, the tuna are going to be out deeper in that blue water, but then when you get inside the reef or up on the ledge or, or wherever, now you get into that, that kingfish area. And of course, you know, you get the, random school of Benitas that want to come through and just make your day live in hell somewhere in between there too. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's when, when we're targeting kingfish, we're usually fishing on some sort of ledge, whether it's a reef line or, a, you know, a sandy ledge or something like that. Do you have a preferred bait for, you know, if you're targeting kingfish, is there something that your team prefers to fish with versus? Um, our, 
absolute favorite bait would be a speedo if we can get our hands on them. Okay, yeah. Um, second to that would be like a nice big blue runner. You know, if we're if we're going for those big smokers. Sure. But uh, honestly, in a a goggle eye, man, I've we've caught so many winning fish on the goggle eye when we had a, you know, blue runner or a speedo or something else out. And, you know, the, the actual that I got, so you, you can't beat those guys. That's if you could only leave the dock with one bait, I would probably do that. Goggle eyes. Interesting. What, what about trolling any, any kind of hard baits is, do you have a preferred hard bait? If you're maybe struggling to catch bait, is there something you would tell people to try that you guys find works? Uh, believe it or not, we do a ton of Bonita strips, okay. uh, on a planer. Yeah. Bonita strips on a planer behind, uh, and, uh, uh, a seaway. Um, that's, uh, that's huge for us over here for not only the kingfish, but the Wahoo just smack the hell out of those things. Even moving slow, you don't have to high speed with the planer. And what's your, what's your, you, you brought up Wahoo and I, it's on my list of things to catch. I have not caught one yet. Um, what's your difference when you're trolling for kingfish versus trolling for Wahoo? Um, what's your speed difference? Cause it's a high, more of a high speed thing with the Wahoo, right? Um, it depends on what you're trolling. So if you're trolling high speed gear, yeah, it's a huge difference. It's a five to 10 knot difference. Um, in speed with the planers, we do go a little bit faster, but it's only, you know, a couple mile an hour, um, faster on the Wahoo. So you might go from five to seven or seven to nine, um, depending on uh, with the planers. Now the high speed, man, we've gone as fast as 16, 18, uh, high speed trolling. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just, but we don't do, so we don't do as much high speed trolling here. Uh, when I say here, I'm actually in Arizona right now, but here, I mean, Pompano, um, for Wahoo, we do, we mainly planer fish for them in, in Pompano and, uh, I'd say Fort Lauderdale up to, you know, Palm beach. It's mainly the planer game, but, uh, there's some Palm beach guys that do some high speed stuff, but most of our high speeding would be done in the Bahamas. Are you rolling? Are you rolling? If and I'm, I'm just being curious because uh, I don't do a lot of planer fishing. A little bit of grouper trolling with planers. Do you roll out? You know, in a, a tournament day pre-fishing either either way. Do you roll out with planers at different depths until you figure out where? Yeah, they're at? We'll, is that that game? Yeah, we'll normal. Yeah, we'll normally run like uh, a six and an eight planer. Um, you know, put them different uh-huh. distances so they are so they are uh, at different depths. Um, when we planer fish and I'm being perfectly honest, we planer, we mostly planer for Wahoo. Um, maybe one time a year we'll break that out in the tournament because okay. it's specific and it takes time, you know, so if you only got an eight or uh tournament window, you get a chance to stay away from it. Or for instance, we went down and fished a dolphin tournament in the Keys earlier this year. And uh, we're running out of marathon, and it got so nasty. Baby. It was like seven or eight foot offshore. Um, so, and down there, you, you got to run a ways to get out to the dolphin, slow troll our way out, and see if we get something. We ended up in second place walk in the tournament. So, you know, the, the, the planers are always with us. We always have a planer rod on the boat and, and get up just in case everything else fails. But it's, uh, Usually, that's more fun fishing for for us for Wahoo, you know, kingfish. 
Gotcha. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. So if if um, if somebody's looking to to put a system in their boat, what do you recommend best for them to just kind of do their homework themselves? Is it better to go try to go through a dealer? Does it depend? I mean, I guess maybe it depends on how much the angler knows about systems. What's the best way to go to rockfordfosgate.com and just do your homework? I mean, what's the best way to try to put something together? For sure. So uh, rockfordfosgate.com has got all the information you need as far as specs and things like that. So um, say you got a boat and it's already got speakers in it and you know what size you need and you have an idea of what you, you know, what you want to do. That's a great resource. Um, you can go on there, you can get specs, sizes, power handling, you know, you can match your amplifiers to your power, things like that. Um, if you, uh, excuse me, if you don't know or aren't comfortable, um, I love local dealers, man. There's, there's just nothing like going to your local dealer. Like you, I know, you know, you used uh, TA Mahoney over there, yep. uh, having that relationship with the guys, letting them, you know, maybe make some recommendations. Uh, they can either do the install, they can help you with the install. Um, they're the guys that are doing it every day. They're going to know, they're probably going to know if there's any, you know, anything special you should know about your particular boat, you know, whether it be that you need a shallower speaker in a certain location or, you know, sometimes in a boat, uh, I get a lot of people that say, Oh, I thought this speaker was going to fit. And then, you know, I cut the hole and there was uh, a huge uh, pump or uh, the fish box was insulated with four inches of foam that I didn't expect to be back there. You know Uh, the guys that are doing it every day have, typically unfortunately already experienced that and made those mistakes for you. So going and talking to them ahead of time, uh, is usually the way to go. Um, and like pricing wise, I mean, if you look around on the internet and stuff like that, it's the same price as it is in the store. So there's really, um, especially with our equipment, there's really no benefit aside from convenience to, to buying the stuff online. So I always recommend, you know, going to your local dealer and, and, you know, supporting, and letting them support you. Cause then also if you ever have a problem, you know, you got a blue speaker or, uh, you know, something's happening, you just take it back to them and they can swap it out for you. So coming from a guy, like, try to recommend that. coming from a guy myself who, as you know, already from working with me, I'm not the most knowledgeable equipment guy. Um, I know what my, I know what my ears like, um, but I'm not, you know, the tech savvy guy. I was on the website and I thought it was a great website. I thought there was opportunities there to answer a lot of questions that jumped out to me immediately. And, and I had a great resource in you and then my guys at TM Mahoney company to kind of walk me through, you know, what was going to be best, where it was going to be best installed, easiest to install, all that good stuff. So, you know, but I think for the person listening that just wants some core information about Rockford Fosgate, what to get, you know, all that good stuff. I was impressed with the website, rockfordfosgate.com. I think it was a very helpful website. So uh, I would recommend that for sure. I I appreciate your time today. I think this will be very helpful for our listeners. Um, And we'll uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. I'm going to... I'm going to have to pick on you to bring me over there and teach me some of that trolling stuff. I got a big 32 contender coming uh, here in the next month or two, and uh, I'm going to need some lessons. So I need one of you big tournament guys to teach me what I'm doing. 
Um, and yeah, it's, uh, I'm not the one to teach you, but I'm telling you, you need to come over and get some Wahoo, man. I, I had no idea you even got one yet. Yeah. We definitely got to get you out there and do that. Yeah, well, this is the time of year for it too. You know, and next time we get a good moon, you should slide over. Okay. I'll bring so, the, uh, I'll bring a few the hours in the morning, man. Yeah, we'll bring the contender and, there you go. And, and, and rattle them up. Bjorn Gunnelson, Rockford Fosgate. I do appreciate you, my brother. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of the Real Animals Podcast, which is always brought to you by our good friends at Contender Boats. As much as I enjoyed bringing it to you, my good friend Bjorn Gunnelson with Rockford Fosgate, rockfordfosgate.com. Bjorn's a great guy. He's a, a guy who's really taught me a lot about the audio business and especially, obviously, marine audio. And uh, so, again, I hope you uh, hope you guys enjoyed it for sure. Remember, the Real Animals podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, ritampabay.com, and Spotify. Remember, it's really important to subscribe, rate, and review. Well, we'll be trying to drop new episodes every couple of weeks here. We always have a big push at the beginning of the year and get a bunch of these in before I get fishing crazy. So we should have a bunch of new ones coming your way. We appreciate you listening as always. Tight lines. Have a great day.